Well, we've entered into a new series that we started last week, a really Christmas series that we're calling Complicated Christmas. And I don't know about you, but I've heard nothing but the fact that our Thanksgiving and our Christmas is going to be so complicated this year because of everything that's going on, trying to travel, maybe not getting together with family the way that we would intend to, uh, shopping, all these types of things. But I, I just, I want to put this out there. I don't think there's anything that could happen during this season that would hold a candle to what happened during the first Christmas. You want to think about a complicated Christmas, the Lord Jesus Christ being God, becoming a man and entering into this sinful, broken world when the world was, by the way, back then a mess too. How many of you know the world's always been a mess? That's what sin does. Sin messes everything up. That's why Jesus had to come. And to be that sacrifice for our sin. And so we're looking just again at that first Christmas. We're looking at all the complications that really surrounded that first Christmas. And I hope that as we connect with really what Christmas is all about, we won't complain and murmur and moan about the Christmas we're going through now, but we'll see it for what it really is. How many of you are glad we have the most wonderful gift we could ever get, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ? And so we're going to dig into that. And I'm so glad we've entered into this season. And I'm glad for all of the beautiful decorations that we have in our church. And I would try to go through the list of all the people that I saw here trying to put up some some decorations, and I'm sure that I'd leave somebody out. And so we know that there are teams of ladies that come and do this. Let's thank them this morning for just this wonderful gift of this decoration and what's taking place. It truly is beautiful, and I know it takes a lot of time and energy and planning to do this. And so we're enjoying it, but for us to enjoy it, no, there was a lot that went into it, and we're grateful for it. Let's grab our Bibles this morning. We're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading with verse number 18 this morning, and we're going to be discussing a bad dream, a bad dream. And we find your place there. And if you're physically able to stand, let's stand together out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to begin here in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise... When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted, is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not to tell she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. This morning we're going to look at a bad dream, complicated Christmas, but how many of you know that God is even in the complicated? Let's pray and ask God to help us with this passage of Scripture this morning. Heavenly Father God, we count it an honor to be able to come this morning and worship you. We do so because you are King of kings and you 
are Lord of Lords and you are the great I am and you are the sacrifice for our sins and you are eternal life, but you became a baby. You wrapped yourself in human flesh so that you could take our sins upon you and so that you could pay the price that we would have paid. Thank you. Lord, help us to understand who you are this morning and what you've done for us. Help us to be faithful to you even during difficult times as these back some 2,000 years ago were faithful to you during difficult times. God, we pray that you would work through us individually and that you would work through us collectively as a church to make you known in these last days. We ask these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, last week, as we had begun our series, we looked at a genealogy. How many of you know there's nothing more exciting than reading 77 names you can't pronounce? And that's why when we have our devotions, we skip over many times those passages of Scripture. But I hope that if you stuck with me last week, you saw the rich, deep meaning of how God works through mankind to accomplish His purposes. As we looked at that genealogy, which we called the naughty list, because it was full of sinful, broken people, people like you and like me. And we learned that that genealogy spoke to several things about our God. We learned that it spoke to us concerning the fact that God works through eternity and through time. In that genealogy, we saw that an eternal God made a point in time where he would become a man so that he could die for our sins. A plan in eternity set for a specific time where God worked through sinful people to make himself known. And how many of you are glad that if we're faithful to him, he'll make himself known through us even today? We learned that not only in that genealogy did God work through time and eternity, but he also works through individuals and families. That's what the genealogy is all about. These, again, sinful, broken people that God called, brought together, and though they were broken, he found them faithful, and they, they were used to bring about salvation to the world. What a blessing that is. And then we learn that God works through faithfulness and promise. God had entered into covenants with those people that were in that list of 77 names. To many of those people, he said, I will make of you a great nation, and through your seed, the entire world will be blessed. And guess what? In that genealogy, that faithfulness of God and his promises were fulfilled. How many of you think it's awesome how faithful our God is to us, even though we don't deserve it? And this morning, as we continue looking at a complicated Christmas, we're going to look at a bad dream. A bad dream here in our text passage this morning, we understand that this couple who had been betrothed and was anticipating coming together as a husband and wife had a complication ensue in their relationship. Mary was found to be with child. Joseph is in a position where he's pondering what this news means and what actions he's going to take concerning it. And an angel visits him in a dream. And gives him some instruction. How many of you know relationships outside of those types of things are complicated already? 
Let's just face it. Some of you are glad certain people aren't going to be at Christmas dinner this year. Some people are laughing harder than others. Hey, we learned last week that whenever you involve people, it gets complicated. We have feelings, we have ideas, and we have dreams. We have dreams about how life should be. And let's face it, there's some of us, we get wound up in Christmas, and we have dreams about what Christmas should look like. These decorations go out at this time, we eat this thing, we have our traditions And then when you bring a bunch of people into the mix and they want to bring their traditions in, it's kind of like, whoa, the walls and the barriers go up and the gloves come off. And it's like, man, I'm battling for my dream. This is the way my Christmas is. This is what my life should look like. This is what my marriage should look like. This is what my wedding should look like. And how many of you know that even back 2,000 years ago, uh, Joseph... And Mary probably had some dreams about what their life would look like. This betrothal process, this Jewish wedding, there was a lot of customary things that were built into this. There was a lot of definitions of life that were built into this. There was a lot of status and, and growth and maturation that was declared as a result of these weddings and of this coming together as a husband and a wife. And There were a lot of hopes and dreams that were pinned to what they were looking forward to. Yet everything was about ready to change. And how many of you understand, we don't do change well. We don't do change well. So this morning as we look at this text, I want us just for a moment to put ourselves in the shoes of the narrative. I want you to feel and think about what Joseph and Mary perhaps were going through as they were being declared that they were going to be the avenue through which the Messiah would enter the world. So as you look at this this morning, let's first look at this truth. Let's look at sometimes the reason it's a bad dream is because it's a broken dream. A broken dream. Let's look at a broken dream here. Uh, Notice verse number 18 of Matthew chapter number 1. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when... As his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. So I want you to see what's happening here. It says that Joseph and Mary were already in this betrothal process. She was espoused to Joseph This was already in Jewish custom a covenant relationship. This was something that had more than likely been in the planning for some months, perhaps even years in Jewish custom. Families would have gotten together. They would have kind of said, well, this works out well for our families and and you've got a good name and you've got a good reputation and you've got this son and I've got this daughter and let's start working to this point where we can come to terms on seeing if we can bring our families together, if we can bring this couple together. So that process would have come to pass and agreements would have been made and now Mary was a spouse to Joseph. This was as legally binding as marriages already for this couple. They, they were as good as married. 
Now, in Jewish custom, this espousement would really carry out for about a year's period of time in which some of the settling of the, uh, of the, of the contract and, and goods and re- relationships and reputations would be in the settling process. And at some time in a year, the bride could expect on a night of surprise for the groom to come and take his bride. So they were anticipating all of this. This had been happening for generations. You know, you, you see girls today and they're, they're at home and they're 12, 13, 14, 54 years old, going through, through marriage magazines, <laughs> planning it out, you know, dreaming. What's this going to be like? What's my life going to be, be like? I remember when I was getting married. Now, my dreams were much different than my wife's dreams. You know, she was concerned about the dress and and the event, and, and all of this. I'm just going to be 100% honest with you. I was excited to be on my own, and I was excited about the honeymoon. <laughs> I was excited. I was so excited about the honeymoon that all other logical uh, you know, considerations for how to plan for a marriage and to sustain our livelihood went out the window. I, I lied to you not. I spent every penny I had on that honeymoon. Like I knew we were coming back to nothing. <laughs> this was a four-day honeymoon. Now, I did take her to Hawaii. I took her to Hawaii. I took her to Honolulu, Hawaii. We stayed on Waikiki Beach. We stayed at the Hawaiian Hilton there, the one with the rainbow on the, on the building. We got there, man, and I'm telling you what, we enjoyed the hotel room. We enjoyed the beach. We enjoyed the sights. We enjoyed not being at home with our parents and being a married couple. And we went out looking at this and looking at that and eating and eating and eating and eating. We got home and carried her across the threshold into our new apartment, put her feet on the ground and said, you ate a lot on our honeymoon, didn't you? Because there ain't nothing in the cupboards. Because for me, after the honeymoon, God could have just come back. I'd have been happy. <laughs> so we all have different dreams about what, what life might look like, what marriage might look like, what Christmas might look like. And, and Joseph and Mary had dreams about things. But let me just say this. Any dream we have without Jesus is a broken dream. Most of our dreams center around material things. Most of our dreams center around earthly status. Many of our dreams center around our provision and what life looks like that we can manufacture here on earth. And many times our dreams don't bring into full consideration who Jesus is and what he desires from our lives. But any dream without Jesus is a broken dream. How many of you understand? It doesn't matter what kind of house you have. One day, it's all going to fall apart. It doesn't matter what kind of car you drive, because one day, very soon, it's going to quit on you. How many of you know it doesn't really matter what kind of clothes you have, because one day they're going to be moth-eaten? That's why... God in his word recalibrates our thoughts as a believer and he says, lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where 
rust and moth corrupts where thieves break through and steal. But, but this is the dream, folks. Set yourself up treasure in heaven. Where moth and rust does not corrupt, where thieves do not break through and steal. And how many of you are glad for the great blessings God gives us here on earth? How many of you are thankful this morning for the way he's provided for you and above the provision for you, the way he's blessed you? It's wonderful. And and that's what our God does, and we're glad for that. But don't have all of your life's dreams pent up in that which is temporal. We need to have dreams that bring in the Lord Jesus Christ and eternity. You know, some of our dreams on our own can even be moral. I want to raise a good family. Boy, I want to be good people. You know, good people. I want to be salt of the earth. I want to do good things. I want to work hard. I want to, I want to build a good life for my kids and my grandkids. And all of these are admirable things. But can I tell you, these people, Mary and Joseph, were living admirable lives. But if Jesus never came to die for their sins, it would all be for naught. And a good life lived is a life that's for naught if Jesus never shows up. And good dreams that we have are all for naught if Jesus never enters the equation. But we struggle with this because we have, a, we have an American dream. We, we, we have a, a dream for ourselves. We have all these dreams. But the question this morning is, is it a broken dream? Or is it a dream that's centered around the Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph and Mary have to be struggling with this. Notice, she's a spouse to Joseph. She's found to be with child before they come together. It's a big deal. Man, this is a big deal back in this time in history. It's a big deal now. And notice what Joseph is doing. It says here in verse 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. And think about that for a moment. Think about the conversation that must have happened before this. He comes and he visits with Mary and Mary says, hey, I've got to share with you something. And an angel visited me, told me the Messiah is coming, told me that I'm the avenue for that. I am with child And can you just see what Joseph's mouth and eyes are doing? This isn't what he dreamed. How many of you know this isn't what Mary dreamed? This isn't what any of them thought would happen. And so now Joseph, he's really mulling this over. He's really thinking. How many of you, when you get into a pickle, you go off into a room somewhere and you start thinking, okay, what's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D? How can we maneuver and navigate. And, and I like what the Bible says here. He's a just man. He didn't want to make a public spectacle of her, which by the way, was his right to do. If you go back to Old Testament law and you find that there had been people in relationship outside of marriage, that they were to be brought out, that they were to be stoned and killed so that the sin could be removed from the camp. That's why when Jesus' ministry was ensuing, 
you find a story in Scripture, a narrative in Scripture, where the Pharisees had caught a woman in the act of adultery, brought her out, picked up stones, and were ready to stone her. They were still living in that time. And Joseph had every right to make a public spectacle, to bring honor on himself, to not have to wear any shame of his own, and to deal with this issue. And yet he forwent his own privileges so that he could step into the ministry that God had for him. Think about that for a moment. Think about what a picture that would be of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who is God. You don't get any more privilege than that. And yet he made himself of no reputation so that he could minister to us. This was not Joseph's dream. This was not Mary's dream. Their dream was broken. Can can I ask you a question this morning? Are you in a place where God can break your dream? Are you so ratcheted in to what you feel you deserve or what you feel needs to happen in your life or what you need to have or what you need to gain or who you need to be? Are you so ratcheted and locked into that that Jesus and his Holy Spirit can't step into your life and say, I've got a different plan for you? You know, that's how missionaries get called. Mom and dad are like, hey, let's send you to medical school. Hey, let's send you to law school. Hey, let's get you to be that private business person. Hey, let's make you successful. Let's get you successful. And we build up this dream. Oh, success, success, success. Money, money, money. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And, and can God come into a family anymore and say, no, I've got a different plan. We're going to break that dream up. How many of you know sometimes for God to really get our attention about what he wants us to do, he has to break our dreams up sometimes? Because if we're not careful, our dreams become an idol. We worship the dream and we invite God along for our dream and we haven't asked God, God, do you have a vision for my life? How many of you understand if you're saved today, he paid an enormous price for your life. He died for you. And he rose again to give you eternal life. And he did it so that he could call you for his purpose and for his glory. Is your dream able to be broken up so that God can do something in your life? Man, these guys just wanted to get married. These guys just wanted, I can relate to that. I remember being on the plane on the way home thinking, well, the rapture didn't happen. I've got to live life with my wife now. I have to feed her. I have to buy her clothes and pay rent and all this stuff. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Honey, your dad likes this, doesn't he? (laughs) Mary and Joseph, they wanted to get married. In a little town, undescript, unknown, just wanting to live their life. Good people with good dreams, good dreams. God said, I want to do something different. It's complicated, isn't it? If your life is simple and hunky-dory and you don't have a bump in the road, <clears throat> something's wrong. Something's wrong. 
And if you're always trying to seek out, you know, it reminds me of that song that we sing because we can sing it in rounds and it's a good camp song. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. And what's the next words? That's what we want. Gentle stream, merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a what? Oh, yeah. How many of you understand sometimes the stream isn't so gentle? How many of you understand sometimes it's not so merry? How many of you understand it's not always the dream you intended? What we're seeing here is we're seeing a broken dream. And sometimes, I'll tell you this, our dreams severely get in the way of God's calling. Our dreams can many times get in the way of God's calling. We see not only a broken dream here, but we see a bigger dream. A bigger dream. Notice, as as Joseph is contemplating, what do I do? I'm going to put her away. I'm going to do this privily. God shows up. Verse number 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So think about this. God broke up their dream so that he could give them a bigger dream. Now, this is where it gets hard because we want our dreams to be all about us. But as a believer, our dreams need to be all about him. We want our dreams to be all about us. But really, it needs to be all about him. I want you to think. Here are two people, unknowns, unknowns, a carpenter and an illiterate teenage girl in a small village that people would rather pass through and pass by as quickly as they can. Nowhere to stop and see the sights. Nowhere. People who are nobodies living nowhere. And God shows up to them and interrupts their dream and says, fear not. I'm glad, how many of you are glad God tells us that when he interrupts our dream? He assures our heart. He says, I'm with you. I've got a plan for you. I've got a plan that you can't even conceive of. You know, I I would have never imagined at, uh, you know, 12, 13, 14, 17 years old when I'm thinking through life and I'm starting to to have dreams in my heart that I'd be living in Vienna, West Virginia. I didn't even know where that was. I had no clue. Of course, I didn't know that I'd be leaving, living in, in Queen Creek, Arizona when I lived there. I didn't know I'd be living in Camarillo, California. And when you get established somewhere, you think, okay, let's put some roots down. Let's get into our house. Let's build a family. Let's have some friends. Let's live our life. Let's build it up. And it seems like whenever I got it built up, God said, I've got another plan for you. Huh? I, was just get, I was just getting going here. 
I, I, was, I was just connecting my life, but, but my dream, but what I have, but what you've given me, but uh, I've got another plan for you. And, and, and when God breaks up our dream and we begin to look at his dream, you would have never fathomed that two people living in this place unknown would be the people that God would call to bring his son into the world. And I wonder what we're blocking God from doing in our life many times because we won't allow our dream to be broken up so that we can have a bigger dream for him. And can I just tell you this, parents? I really want you to grab onto this. A bigger dream for your children might not necessarily be a bigger house than yours. And a bigger dream for your children might not necessarily be a bigger income than yours. Hey, if they're serving the eternal God of glory, parent, you better get down and you better praise God on your face before him because that's the biggest dream you should have for your kids. They're faithfully serving the Lord God. I say that this morning because sometimes we like to pressure our kids into other things. I'm not talking about full-time ministry. How many of you are glad that we've got faithful people in this church, faithful people I'm praying for? My, I got a daughter right now that's taking, you know, uh, classes at college, and she wants to work in, like, the radiology programs and stuff. And, and, you know, she may be a pastor's wife someday. She may be uh, a missionary's wife someday. But if she faithfully serves God in a local church, being honoring and glorifying to him and raises her family for the Lord. I don't care what she's doing to earn a living. I care that she loves God and she's serving him. Amen. That's my big dream for her. But I know her heart and I know this and I know my children's hearts. I know this, we talk about it, we pray about it all the time. If God calls them into ministry, we're not gonna discount that and say, oh, but you could be this, but you could be that. No, God, God many times has bigger dreams for us than the dreams that we have for ourselves. A bigger dream. Notice what this angel tells Joseph, fear not to take her. What has conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And because of this, you're gonna bring forth a son and you're gonna call him Jesus. And I, I want you to notice the name of this, what it means for he shall save his people from their sins. How many of you know that's a big dream right there? Wow! Man, I was just going to be this nondescript couple living our life, having some cattle, some sheep, some goats, working my, my, my business for carpentry, and we're going to live our lives, and we're going to have a great life together. And Jesus breaks up that dream and says, no, you're, you're going to have to endure some ridicule and you're going to have to endure some gossip and you're going to have to endure some difficulty and rough paths. I know that's not what you would choose for yourself, but out of that, Jesus is going to come and people will be saved from their sins. And do you realize because of the obedience of a nondescript carpenter and his wife, that you and I can experience the saving grace of God today because Jesus was born of a virgin as it had been told to the prophets. <laughs> That's great. That's great. A bigger dream. 
Notice what else? Verse 22. And all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now think about this just for a moment. Quickly, we'll be done here very soon. Think about this for a moment. It didn't take long for Jesus to have to experience what it was like to be born into a broken, sinful world. Because in order for the Redeemer to be born sinless, perfect, and to be the sinless, perfect Lamb of God, He could not be born as a result of human kind. An earthly father. He had to be born of a virgin. And this was so that death that Adam brought upon all men that passes on to all men could not be passed because it was not the seed of man. It was the seed of God born through a virgin. But how many of you know right up front that causes complications right there? Because when Mary was having this discussion with Joseph, Joseph didn't believe it. How do we know that? Because he's contemplating putting her away privily. And how many of you would have struggled with that too? I would have. Because in a broken, sinful world, nothing God does really makes sense to us. And as a result of that, they were going to endure some hardship. They were going to endure some difficulty. And we think that because we encounter hardship, that means we shouldn't go down that path. Because we encounter some resistance, uh, we shouldn't go down that path. That must mean it's bad for us. No, not everything that resists us means we're doing the wrong thing. And some of us, quite frankly, we need to be seeking out some more challenges so that we can make ourselves known for the Lord Jesus Christ. Quite frankly, we need to be prepared to endure some more difficulty so that God can work through us. But as a result of a virgin bringing forth a child, notice what was going to happen. Verse number 23, you will call his name Emmanuel. And notice this, which being interpreted is God with us. The Savior was brought into this world because of the faithfulness of this couple. And God is with us because he was able to use this couple to bring him into the world. Can I ask you a question this morning? Can God break up your dream and give you a bigger dream? Can he call you out of your comfort zone to be faithful to him? Can he put you in a place where you're willing to endure some resistance and some challenge and some difficulty so that you can be the light that he desires for you to be? You see, he had a bigger dream. Lastly, and very quickly, we see a bolder dream. A bolder dream. Notice with me, verse number 24. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, and I love this, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Now, this is what would happen to me. I would have had that dream. The angel would have come to me in my sleep. I would have woken up, and I would have thought, Man, I had some bad pizza last night. And I've been doing everything in my mind thinking, was this real? Could this be? I would have had a hard time placing my faith and trust in that dream. Like in the word of the Lord. And how many of you know that even today, though we have the written word of God right here for us to read and learn and memorize, we struggle with believing what it says. 
And because we struggle in believing what it says, we're hesitant to do what it calls us to do. But God wants to break up our dream. He wants to give us a bigger dream and he wants us to be bold with it. He wants us to actually obey him. Because what good is the word of God given to us if we're not willing to obey it? That's why God says that we shouldn't just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Are we a doer of the word? Are we by faith taking him at his word? Are we by faith engaging in his callings? Are we by faith accepting his promises? Because Joseph didn't have a whole lot to go on here. He had a girl who was a spouse to him that was pregnant, and he had a dream telling him it was going to be okay. Hey, can I just say something? Can I say something to you? Sometimes the word of God that we hold right here has to be enough. This has to be enough. This has to be enough to say, I believe and I will follow. I believe and I will obey. And God loves that. God, God loves that. This, this makes God's heart rejoice. He loves when people have faith in him and his word. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. But to them who do have faith and to them who do obey him, he's a rewarder to those who diligently seek him. How many of you have experienced as you've had faith in God that he's rewarded you in your life for your faithfulness? He's faithful to reward us. You see, a bolder dream. We need to take him at his word and we need to do what he tells us to do. Verse 25, it just gets harder. Here's his new wife. And he knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son. Again, an example of giving up his personal right. He had a right to his wife. But he knew that if he went outside of God's timeline, it was going to cause difficulty to what God had planned through them. And oh, that we would be that way, that we would resign ourselves to the will of God. That we'd say, this isn't my dream. This isn't my plan. This isn't what I would have done. But God, it's what you've told me to do. And I will obey you. I will obey you. And there's boldness in that. Hey, listen, there's always boldness in faith. Because you're believing what God said and you're doing it. This morning, as we consider a complicated Christmas... All these things are very complicated. This was the first Christmas, folks. This wasn't, oh man, the perfect meal and the perfect tree and the perfect gifts and the perfect setting. These were dreams that were being broken up and these were dreams that were being enlarged and there was boldness that needed to come into play to be obedient to God's calling. As we reflect on this first Christmas in this Christmas that we're about to celebrate, can we be people who would say, God, you paid the price for my sin, whatever you want to do in my life. I don't need a gift from you. You gave me the greatest gift. Let me be a gift to you. Break up my dream. Enlarge it to what you want it to be. And help me to be obedient and faithful to you. I think God can do great things in our lives and in our families if we do that. So I'll stand this morning with our heads bowed and eyes closed. No one looking around. Heads bowed, eyes closed, and when looking around this morning.
Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, you know, as you were talking about the gift of the Lord Jesus Christ and how he is the Savior and how he would save people from their sins, I, I can't say honestly this morning that I'm saved from my sins. Maybe you're a good person. You've got good dreams even, moral dreams. But Jesus hasn't become part of your dream. You've never personally gone to him and said, I'm a sinner and I know you died for my sins. And I repent of my sin and I want you to save me and give me eternal life. What a great Christmas gift to call on him. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, no one's looking around. I won't come back to you, I won't embarrass you, I won't name your name. But this morning, if you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved, I'd like to pray for you. I'd like to pray that God continues to work on your heart to draw you under his conviction to salvation. And if you'd say, Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, would you just raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you this morning. Pastor, I'm not sure that I'm saved. I don't know for sure if I died today that I'd be with God in heaven. I see that hand, you may put it down. Anybody else this morning? I'm not sure that I'm saved. I try to be, I see that hand, you may put it down. I just don't know this morning. If I died today, I'd go to be with him in heaven. Well, I want you to know, you can know that for sure. The whole story of Christmas, the whole story of God's word is how God so loved the world that he gave himself in the person of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ to die in your place and in mine to pay the price for our sins that we should have paid. And the only thing that he calls on us to do is to believe that by faith and to accept that and call on him for salvation. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this morning, if you raised your hand, I'm gonna pray. And if the Lord is working on your heart, my prayer can't save you, but maybe in your heart, you'd pray right along with me. And you'd make sure of your salvation this morning. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that you loved me to die for my sin. I believe that you died for my sin and that you paid the price for it. And I believe that you rose again so that I can have eternal life through you. Jesus, today I confess that I'm a sinner. I repent of my sin. Please save me. Fill me with your spirit and give me your eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen. And I want you to know this morning that if you prayed that and you meant that from your heart, the Bible says that you're saved, that you are a child of God. Now, Christian, this morning, those that are already saved in this room, maybe you're living your own dream. It's been a long time since you've let God into your heart and into your life and call you to serve him and call you to name his name and show you some things that might need to be broken up in your life so that you can be faithful to him. And maybe as the piano plays just for a short time, it'd be good for us to spend just a moment in prayer and say, God, would you search my heart? Would you help me to not have my own dream, but for you to expand my dream that I might be obedient to you? Let's take a time to pray this morning. We're so glad that you could join us as we worship together and hearing from God's word. Hey, get the word out to others. 
As you close out joining us in this time of worship, hit the share button and make sure that those that are in your friend group have an opportunity to hear God's word as well.